Oh, hello, everyone, and welcome to the second edition of the RIP podcast. Uh, my name is Steve, and uh, for the foreseeable future, I am joined by uh, my co-host, Barnaby. How are you hello doing everyone. today, buddy? Yeah, I'm doing all right, Stephen. How about yourself? Yeah, again, mate. I mean, I, I think that question's kind of become a bit redundant, as as we discussed last week. I mean, yeah. <laughs> everyone's well, considering the same... Considering we've only uh, done, uh, this is the second episode we're doing so far. So the question sort of, yeah, it's become a bit, because <laughs> it's become redundant, which is especially, yeah. especially uh, surprising considering we've only done, uh, this is the second episode. Exactly. But uh, again, well, we, we hope that we do remain a uh, constant distraction from all the ongoing chaos in the real world. Uh, but for anyone who doesn't know, we are a music-based podcast discussing anything within the metal and rock community, news, albums, you name it. And um, this week we've got quite a, uh, a sense of theme this week with a lot of the stuff we're going to discuss. Um, not only because of the news, but because of the albums we're going to be discussing, slash EPs we're discussing. So uh, it's like a very horror-based this week uh, in terms of news as well as uh records um so should we start off with a bit of news barnaby do you think yeah and uh in light of the well it's not technically horror related news but it is going to be a horror somewhat for some uh particular group of metal fans and that is that long-term nightwish bassist marco hiatala i really hope i pronounced that correctly has quit the band after 20 years so that is going to be quite a horror to some um of the symphonic metal bass um symphonic metal community so basically, what I've uh, come across so far is that he is, uh, he's leaving the band because he wants to focus more on his personal life and he has become, uh, let's say, disillusioned with the state of the music industry. And he's posted quite a cryptic um, statement on the, Night <laughs> on the Nightwish face Facebook page. Right. So he says he's become disillusioned, uh, disillusioned with the state of the music industry and he, needs, uh, and he has a need to find some new reasons and inspirations for his work. So it just sounds like he's been burnt out with doing the band for over 20 years in the state of the music industry, because it is quite tough for bands to make it. You know, with a lot of bands relying on touring, they can't make much from music sales anymore because of streaming. So it just sounds like he's been uh, burnt out a little bit, to be honest. But that's my um, horror news story to start this episode off. Well, I, you could argue that's that's a horror to synthetic power metal fans and then a pleasure for uh, other Exactly. Of, um, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, we have like... actually uh, watched Nightwish before, didn't we? At Bloodstock. Uh, what did you think of their set list when we went to Bloodstock 2018? <clears throat> um, I was a bit more preoccupied with the alcohol intake. I'll be honest, mate. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I, I was kind of. I remember. I mean, I obviously was aware that I was stood in front of them, but I was more kind of concerned with the level of alcohol that was going down my throat as opposed to all the uh, the dragons and fairies and all that bollocks yeah, that was happening yeah. on stage. I'll be honest, I'll, I'll put it out there. I mean, I am not a uh, symphonic power metal fantasy guy, you know. that's It's not my kind of... I You know, I'm not going to diss on that kind of stuff because I know that there's a no, lot of course of people not. out there that, that love it, you know. I mean, um, I'm sure you and me, well, you more know a lot of people that tend to edge towards that genre of uh of metal i mean for me personally it's not my kind of thing um but yeah i mean uh, as far as i remember at bloodstock wise i mean they they uh they, got, they had a new singer right so they had like a change of female yeah, singer they did so they've gone through i think like three singers so this is the third one they've had in the band well probably right. hopefully the last but we'll see about that 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, uh, the Nightwish really aren't a band that I, uh, I kind of, I can really talk about. To be perfectly honest with you, because again, I've I've never really delved into their back catalogue. I mean, I know that they've got uh, they've got some huge songs. <laughs> oh yeah, no, they have um, loads of huge songs. I think I'm in roughly the same boat as you, Stephen. I used to be, I wouldn't say a fan, but I used to like quite a lot of their stuff. Right. The reason I feel like in the last few years I've moved away from the sort of symphonic symphonic metal genre like Nightwish, Within Temptation, Epica. Uh, it's mm. some some of the songs are good. It's just as you said, it's not quite my cup of tea anymore, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, like you say that that, that you mean there's Nightwish, there's Epica, and you know there's all this symphonic metal, but at Absolutely. the same time, you know you've got like hate breed. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm really fa- I'm really joking. Know, anyone who is listening, uh, well, I'm saying that anyone who listened to last week's episode will know which one I would take, considering how much I loved Hatebreed's album uh, that came out last year. Yeah, fair enough. Well, uh, you know, let's hope that. Uh, you know they they recover from this loss in the this synthetic yeah absolutely yeah i think i can uh safely wish marco all the best for whatever his future end divorce would be and uh well the covid thing aside for the minute nightwish say they are planning to trying to continue their tour up like with a session bass player so uh, i mean the covid thing aside whether that tour happens or not as anyone's guess but they are planning to move forward with a touring slash session member so um all the best on that regard to them i think Mm, I echo your sentiments there, Barnaby. Yeah. Uh, I've uh, I got a bit of news. So uh, oh, go on. What is your well, news this week? I am aware that you're uh, an avid death metal fan, Barnaby. Aha! Uh-huh, I think I know where you're going with this one, my so, friend. Uh, <laughs> you may be familiar with a little band called Decapitated. Oh, that big, uh, that big Polish band, which has an insane, an insane guitar player that I have seen live and have become quite a big fan of. Yeah, I might be him. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I mean, I, I, love him. I, you know, I, I'm sure I speak for both of us, but I mean, Decapitated are incredible bands, incredible technical bands. Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, I, I feel that Decapitated have had quite a uh, a roller coaster of a, a roller coaster of a couple of years, really, because yeah. they. Um, for a long time, Decapitated were this, uh, from, from my knowledge anyway, they were like this underground band and, you know, they they had these incredible like spheres of madness and uh, just an yeah. incredible, incredible back catalogue of this, uh, this death metal. And, um, you know, they, they had a tragedy strike where uh, it, it was, an, again, another one of these metal bands where they, uh, they are very much of uh, a family-run business. I mean, uh, very much in the vein of vinnie paul and dimebag and um yeah you know where uh, the the deplontier brothers from gojira vog and his brother uh so the guitarist and the drummer yeah which, i think his uh, name was a uh, vtech if i remember correctly vtech yeah, yeah so yeah, uh they formed a polish death metal band and, and incredible just technically proficient in every way you want to think of uh but they were so uh the, the, the dynamics of their songs they were just all over the place like they were they had these different ways of attacking you and they're just an incredible band but sadly uh that there was an incident with uh i believe it was a bus crash or some yeah, kind of... it was an accident on their tour bus i believe if right. i uh, remember correctly okay um and uh that did result in uh vtech uh having a uh, a life-suffering injury um 
which resulted in him not being able to commit himself to music anymore. I mean, uh, it was uh, really was just like a, a really sobering experience, I'd imagine, for the band. And, um, you know, I, I think Vogue coming out of that experience didn't obviously want to stop uh, doing what he loves. And uh, and then we have the, the reincarnation of Decapitated uh, that came in the wake of that with uh carnival is forever i yeah. think was the the album that came out yeah with. might just chime in there as an absolute banger of a death metal album yeah i mean <laughs> to be honest mate i mean when you've i mean i love old decapitated but the reincarnated reincarnation of the decapitated so you've got uh carnival is forever blood mantra yeah blood mantra and another one. the Anti-cult. latest anti-cult, anti-cult. Yeah. now those three records for my money are the best death metal albums that have come out <sighs> got to be a very very long time yeah you know it's just they're so they've got that technical proficiency of the old decapitated but they've just got such uh uh i don't know why i mean they, they just hit you so harder you know and it's just for when you listen to death metal like we reviewed uh cataclysm's latest album last week yeah unconcrete. I, I told you at the time that uh you know when you listen to death metal you have that traditional kind of you know fast drums fast guitars cookie cookie fucking monster vocals blah, 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 like that um but decapitated do it in a way which is just so uniquely them and you know that there's no other death metal bands that sound like them whereas you know cataclysm you could name a hundred other death metal bands that sound like them you know yeah. as much that's as i'm a cataclysm fan i will agree with that, that yeah you know that's that's not necessarily an insult to cataclysm or you know any of those other bands but uh bands that like to put their own unique stamp on a genre that's uh quite uh just a genre that's quite uh similar you know i mean like you can have bands that that have a sound and then another band will have the exact sound and so on and so on and so on yeah but decapitate for me just uh they take the death metal sound and and they just twist it and they they put their own spin on it um i love that band so much and uh anyway getting to the reason for bringing them up in the first place uh guitarist vogue who uh is also a uh now a member of machine head who may or may not be coming up later on the show yeah no i completely forgot Uh, we're not going to give away too much there yeah we'll wait for it but uh yeah vogue so he put up an instagram post uh suggesting that recording has now began on the brand new uh decapitated records um how excited are you for a, a new decapitated album barney I think it is going to drop kick any bad memories of 2020 of 2020 in the face. That is how excited <laughs> I am for it. No, because it is going to be an an onslaught of like as you said, brutal death metal wrist with their own twist, mm-hmm. like what Blood Mantra and the three and the two other albums you've mentioned have been so mm-hmm. far. Which I think I've I've also been some of my favorite decapitated and death metal albums of all time, particularly Blood Mantra. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I mean, I don't want to name drop. I I actually I interviewed Vogue. Uh, a few years ago now just prior what? to anti-cult coming out and i remember talking to him and because i mean i had heard the record and it was just incredible um you know I, eh. when when you've got songs like earth scar and uh, kill the cult it's just it's death metal but you could see it appealing to a much wider audience like yeah. although death metal is obviously it's got quite a uh, a big fan base as it is but 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I do like to see bands that cross over into more mainstream territory. Like you've got a band like Lamb of God that are traditionally quite uh, death metal esque. You know, they've got elements of death metal, they've got groove metal, they've got they've got all, got it all. You know, but they cross over into you know, death metal heads like to listen to Lamb of God. Just casual metal heads like to listen to Lamb of God. Exactly. Even rock yeah. fans like to listen to Lamb of God. Because yeah, they've yeah. got that, they've got that appeal about them where they just cross over and uh, they've got the songs that back it up, you know. And and for me, for my money, Anti Cult had that kind of X factor, if you like, about it. It was, uh, you know, it had the songs that had the ability to cross over into fans of other genres. Yeah. Um, and I remember asking Vogue at the time, like, do you kind of strive to be in a position where you can start? appealing to wider audiences and and you know uh start appealing to just the casual metal fans and and also kind of expand it to a point where you're being considered as like you know uh like a download band if you like you know like when you see bands at download festival uh that that are in those mid bills you you know you see the lamb of gods that are doing the slots during the day at download and like they're kind of They've got that appeal now where they're that big, where they cross over into all of these genres and all these fan bases that they can do those slots. And uh, yeah, I remember asking him and he, he was he was so forthcoming. I mean, he absolutely he made a point of it, saying that, you know, he's toured the world and he's played the most tiniest and shittiest clubs you can imagine. Exactly. And he's and... going to play some of the best. Yeah, I mean, he's now at a point where he wants to make that band as big and as possible as he can. Um, now, when I mentioned earlier that they had a bit of a roller coaster of a uh, of a few years, you know, they'd just gone out on tour off the back of an incredible record, Anti Cult, and then they had a bit of a, a nightmare in America. They, yeah, they certainly did. Um, uh, you might know a few more details about that than me because I don't remember. Yeah, much. I mean, as far as I'm aware, there was a bit of an incident that involved uh, an alleged fan, you know, getting backstage or getting on their tour bus. And I mean, I, I don't really want to go into the the ins and outs of it because you know it was it was a horrible yeah. thing. There's, there's plenty of stuff on like Metal Sucks because they covered the story quite a lot, where people can go yeah. and look at it if they so wish. But it was a terrible time for the band. It but was horrible. I mean, um, fortunately, they got cleared of it because I don't. Yeah. I don't believe. I don't believe personally they didn't do anything wrong, and that's why no. I stand on it. No, I mean, uh, if if you want to look into the the ins and outs of of what happened to them, then there you go. But uh, I sincerely hope that they can really pick up where they left off from Anti Cult and uh, and just come out with a. I mean, it's one of those bands where it's like predictably. I mean, of course they're going to come out with an incredible album because they've got Vogue, absolutely. You know, they've got Vogue as a songwriter who is just yeah. You know, he's like he's like the Polish dime bag, if you like. He's yeah, just... basically, yeah. I mean, I think the nickname that Rob Flynn gave him when he joined Machine Head was Dime Vogue. And you can clearly see why, because they have a very similar playing style. And yeah, they're just virtuosos in their own right. Yeah. But I wanted to actually lead on to a little bit of a theory I've just thought of, now that you mentioned um, Decapitated becoming bigger and better. Well, now that Vogue's a guitarist in two bands, and being in Machine Head, which is one of the bigger metal bands out there, maybe that could help him with his songwriting in Decapitated and vice versa. Um, Potentially. Potentially. But the problem is, is that you don't want him to... I mean, you know, we can't we can't say much because, you know, we don't write 
Oh, of course. Musically. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, the thing is, is that you don't want him to get to a point where decapitated kind of remove themselves so outside of the death metal spheres, if you like, you know, I mean, well, that is true. Yeah. You know, if, if decapitated come out with, uh, you know, quite a, I mean, I, I don't think decapitated would ever come out with like a kind of clean vocaled song. Uh, although, no, uh, Rasta, their singer, he does have a solo band, uh, which he does sing clean on. Uh, oh, wow. I did not know that at all. He does. Yeah. I forget the name. The name slips me. But as far as I remember, he came out with like a uh, a solo single and he had clean singing on it. And, you know, the guy's got an incredible uh, scream as it is. And from a melodic perspective, me, I mean, I I found it to be, you know, it was OK. I mean, he's not the worst singer in the world when it comes to um, uh, clean singing. But uh I think when people look at a name like Decapitated, they kind of assume that it's not going to be <laughs> singy, kind of melodic. Oh, of, co- of course not. I can't imagine They're called that Decapitated myself. for a reason. For fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I can't imagine that myself. That'd be so weird to hear yeah, clean singing on like, something like in the style of Carnival is for, forever. I'd just, it, it'd be strange. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I think the De- Decapitated, uh, they're a death metal band. You know, yeah, that, oh, yeah. I see your point on that one. They're never yeah. gonna kind of divert away from being that. Yeah. I mean, I, the thing I'm thinking is, more, I was thinking more in terms of the guitar riffs and all that stuff because, um, I think they've um, Dime uh, Decapitate's newer stuff, Machine Head's um, stuff are in the same guitar tuning. I'm not to mm. get too technical onto that, but yeah. I feel like in terms of riffs and, and playing style, then maybe they could cross over a little bit, but I mean, we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. Mm, indeed. I feel like uh, Volk Broadening His Horizons would, by being a machine head would open up a little bit of um, uncharted territory, so to speak. Uncharted? Uncharted. Sorry. Oh, he said charted. <laughs> I mean, he's not going to shit himself. <laughs> All right. I mean, you'd hope not. <laughs> no, no, how desperate some artists get on stage where you're like, in the middle of the set, they're playing the show to lives, and suddenly the one of the bummers thinks, oh shit, I need to go for a piss. Mm, wow. There's going for a piss and then there's going for a shit. There's a clear difference, Barnaby. Oh, I mean, there is, there is. I will give you that. Yeah. What else have we got news-wise? Right. Well, you remember how we were saying this is a bit horror-themed. I want to bring something that's slightly less horror-themed. Uh, now, you remembering last week we were discussing the return of live events in the UK with festivals and gigs and all that um, shizzle. Yeah. So um, I'm going to swing our attention over to stateside briefly, our lovely cousins in the United States of America. And... Um, so USA! Here. USA! Go on. <laughs> Shout out to Freedom Cheeseburgers and uh, more invaded countries for oil than you can ever imagine. Oh, no, we must not remit. We must not turn into a political podcast. So the article I've got here is so Dr. Anthony Fortier, I think he's like the American's equivalent of Professor Chris Whitty. Oh, I feel like I've got water stuck in my throat today. So he's the top infectious uh, infectious um, disease on expert in the United States. So he's like the expert on diseases and pandemics and all that sh- um, all that jazz. And he's made a very bold claim that he believes theaters and performance venues will open sometime in the autumn of 2021. Now, considering America's situation with COVID, I'm not going to go too much into that. Because again, focusing on optimism, a theme from uh, last week's episode, that is a very bold claim to make considering the state the country's in i mean what would that your take on that be Stephen? um the thing is so 
uh outside of the music world for a moment i'm quite a keen um listener of the joe rogan podcast i don't know if oh. you're familiar with joe rogan oh nice i do like joe rogan i'm not an avid listener of his podcast but i do like okay. what he has to say so he's i mean for anyone who doesn't know i'd be surprised if you don't know who he is but he's a comedian um as well as you know ufc commentator slash podcaster biggest podcast in the world <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and he uh he's been going out on a tour with various comedians and they've been doing uh clubs like not massive venues just relatively sized clubs and yeah. they've actually been um organizing testing at these uh these venues so i don't know what that consists of i mean i don't know whether or not they have people sit in their cars in a car park and they go around and test them um but from what i gather they've been testing everyone that would be sat in the audience and then piling them into the venues and having just normal shows yeah, you know as um stuff yeah now uh i mean joe rogan i mean fuck me he's a millionaire you know they can <laughs> afford they, they can afford to have these tests available uh to the capacity of the people that are coming to see them but as for the Feckler in Bristol, which is like a 600 capacity venue. Yeah, or the, ga the garage in London. Or yeah, the all these independently or... run venues, whether or not they can afford to facilitate tests and what the logistics of that would look like in terms of testing people uh, before they go into the venues. I mean, I don't know. It's all speculative. Um, yeah, I think a lot can... of the stuff in this article is uh, quite speculative because one thing he has mentioned is it's possible, but he said, like, wearing masks will have to be mandated for shows. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe I could be very wrong on this. I don't think a lot of people are, like, you know, going to see King 810 are going to want to wear masks. Well, how can you police that? Like, Exactly. See... That's what I wanted to mention. Well, the thing is, like, how the fuck can you go to, like, a... a... Just like a 600 capacity sold out gig. And how the fuck can you police having a bunch of people stood in a room quite closely together and have them all wearing masks? It does, that, 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 that doesn't sound uh, realistic whatsoever to me. Yeah. What does that mean for me? Like testing them prior to them going into the venue. That sounds like more of a viable option. But again, yeah, I'll it, agree. I'll agree. It, it does. It does vary depending on uh the, the logistics of how they can do that i mean the problem is is that you've got to think if you've got 600 people queuing outside of a venue and they're all turning up at different times bloody bloody blah, blah, blah are they going to have socially distanced queues i mean how are they going to kind of keep them separated prior to them getting tested yeah um, i say every queue up in it to get into mel show there's been very little social distancing going on i mean this was before covid yeah. obviously but you get my point yeah i mean from a music in general point of view, you kind of would think that metal or anything within the hard rock and metal air, uh, genres, especially with live shows, they're the ones where you tend to find quite a lot of uh, human interaction, whether that be from pitting to jumping. Like, I mean, you couldn't think of going to watch fucking Take That and there's no fucking circle pits or walls of death or anything <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? Whereas if you go to, there's a lot more human contact, if you like, um, with those type of shows. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, again, I mean, I personally, I mean, I would be very, very cautious if, say, they allowed them to go ahead. 
despite yeah. us still being in the situation that we are right now. Uh, yeah, I think that's where I stand on it as well. It's like he's usually Anthony Fauci's usually been correct with his claims, and I just wanted to bring you on to another article quickly. Mm-hmm. His claims seem to be backed up by Governor. Uh, let me see if I remember his name. Uh, Andrew Cuomo. Now I can't remember what position. Oh, yeah, he's a New York State governor. So he's quite high up in the government of New York State. Okay. And he's backed Anthony Fauci's claim up saying live events returning as soon as February with rapid testing. Uh, that's when you look at it, that's less than a month away. Now, with the testing bit, it will have to speed it up. But I don't think any events are going to return that soon, let alone in New York State. No. I mean, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. But for me personally, yeah. I, I, I can't see them safely going ahead again if if there's not that reassurance that you're not stood either in a queue with somebody who has it or if if you're in a venue it's just it's all testing is the way forward for sure but the logistics of how you do that it remains to be seen yeah it's gonna be they will figure it out i reckon but it's just how are they and when are they gonna figure it out i think yeah Yeah. exactly yeah Uh, on the side note could you imagine the wall of death at a take that concert that would be mental <laughs> to be honest, I mean, it, it, that's kind of like it, whenever Take That or Gary Barlow or Robbie Williams, anyone comes on the yeah. radio or, you know, wherever, I kind of feel like my emotions like are like a wall of death. You know, I kind of just want to crawl up into a, a, feet, a fetal position and just not want to move. Um, it's just pa- yeah. paraly- it paralyzes you, so to speak. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Well, I get that. I get that when any boy band comes on the radio, so I'm in the same position as you. Well, I don't know about that, mate. I mean, fuck me, you live on a boat, so I'm not quite in your position, if you like. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I've got a little bit of um, of news. So this um, go on. This is actually a uh, a backtrack, if you like, to the uh, the horror theme that I was referring to earlier on. Uh, Yes, yes. Yeah, in the show. Now. King Crimson. Are you familiar with who King Crimson are? I've uh, I've heard of King Crimson. Can't say I've ever listened to them, but I know who they are. Yeah, they're like a legendary sort of British proggy band. You know, they they're one of these ones that formed in the seventies. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Well, that that might explain why I haven't heard of them because they're seventies prog and British. <laughs> wow. Yeah, maybe ask your uh, ask your old man in the background there. He might know who uh, who King Crimson I are. I would, but he's not here currently. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, um, the guitar player, um, a Mr. Robert Fripp, I believe I'm pronouncing his, uh, his name correctly. Yeah. Um, him and his, um, his luxurious wife put up a, <laughs> a, a social media post, <laughs> put up a social media post um, a little over a week ago. And from what I remember, it was just a... Uh, it started off with saying, uh, was it Robert and, uh, Robert and, uh, to- is it the name's Toya? I believe it's Toya. I think so, yeah. I don't know. It's it basically his girlfriend or his wife, whoever. And they're doing a cover of Metallica's Enter Sandman. I was like, oh, okay, well. This could, be, this could be interesting. The thumbnail to the video attracted me more to it rather than the uh, the song itself. Yeah. Um, now, I clicked play, and it was only two minutes of uh, what I can only describe as the, the worst thing I've ever seen. 
in my entire life. So let me set the picture for you. It looks like um, Robert Fripp strapped to a chair as if he's in fucking Reservoir Dogs about to have his ear cut off. And he's then got his wife on what looks like an apparently fucked cross trainer. Yeah. (laughs) And she's got a, a very tight white top blouse on. And then you start hearing the riff to Enter Sandman. And he's there playing it. And then all of a sudden she starts decimating this fucking treadmill. And she's got this white top on that have uh, very revealing areas, specifically in the chest. Yeah. And then the next thing, you know, she starts singing (laughs) in the Sandman while he's playing it. And she's fucking, she's on this treadmill. And the whole time, you're not necessarily focusing on how bad she's singing and how bad it sounds, but it's a, it's a, it's a sort of late 60s woman with her tits on show singing Metallica. Just, <laughs> what's going on here? It's like clearly 2020 has brushed off that much where they've just finished Sunday lunch, apparently. And uh, Robert Fripp is strapped to a chair again in a sort of very Reservoir Dogs-esque yeah. way. Playing, being forced what looks like to play the the the... Metallica Enter Sandman riffs while his wife again goes on a cross trainer like it's a fucking strip pole who bear in mind is looks like she's in her late 60s with the most fucking revealing shirt you've ever seen in your life I mean what, regardless of what I say I mean it's, it's not going to do it justice but it was like the most cringeworthy thing I've ever witnessed like to the I mean there's waving at somebody when they're waving at you but in fact they're waving at someone behind you they're oh, shit God, yeah, they're I've shitting yourself shitting yourself in public there's so many things i mean I, I mean i may i've experienced it all i mean i'm a 30 year old man now i can safely say that i've shat myself in public and waved at somebody who was waving at somebody else but what i'm suggesting is that that out of all those horrible cringeworthy things that was the most cringeworthy thing i've ever witnessed on the internet i uh, think for it, me I think for me that's up there among with uh, Puddle of Mud's cover of Nirvana's About a Girl. Did yes! I just... Yeah, I... <laughs> did uh, I just bring guess... back some traumatizing memories there? By I, don't that to... cover? I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. All I'm saying is... <laughs> I won't mention wanna... any more for your own sanity, but it's, it's up there for me. If people want to sort of like pull their own fucking eyelids off and then use them as earplugs, go and watch that. Uh, Robert Fripp does Enter Sandman with his wife and... Uh... You might thank say, it's a good thing I had a distracting thumbnail to distract you from the god awful fucking performance of the cover. I mean, James Hetfield's going to roll in his grave when he dies because of that. Yeah, it's just I, I can't emphasize how incredibly awkward that is. But um, shall we move on to other? I mean, Let's I, I was going to. Yeah, sorry, go on. I was going to say that. I mean, that. <laughs> from a from a, a horror perspective and the records that we've got uh listened to and, and you know obviously discuss right now i kind of feel that the, the these bands that we're about to divulge into wish they could be as abhorrent as that video that i fucking saw or uh <laughs> yeah yeah 
But uh, yeah, that's the news. So moving swiftly on to the records that we're going to talk about uh, on this show. Yes. We're going to be talking about uh, two bands. They're both quite different from each other. We're going to be talking about uh, Bloody Hammers as well as Ingested. So which would you feel uh, would be best to start off with, Barnaby? I'm going to give you the choice. I'll tell you what, let's start like this uh, EP did with a sledgehammer to the face and select Ingested. <laughs> ingested oh it is. Okay. So, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Ingested are a Manchester-based deathcore stroke death metal band. Um, I don't know whether or not you knew or not, Barney, but uh, this isn't necessarily new material but it's actually in fact a uh, re-release of a self-released ep the band did back in 2007 were you aware of that um yeah i was uh fortunately uh, enough um and a very very short snappy ep i thought there's no way they were just going to release an ep in 2021 and i think that it, also because they released their latest album either last year or in 2019 i can't remember when so i didn't figure they'd um, release another full title so soon 2020 from what i understand yeah uh, but uh again i mean this is a uh, a re-release of an ep that they did back in uh, 2007 a re-release uh it's uh quite suitably named stinking cesspool of liquefied human remnants that's lovely isn't it yeah that's a terribly <laughs> uh politically correct that is sounds like it's suitable for your granddaughter's five-year-old birthday party Exactly. So, so it's the kind of thing you would see on a Butlin's premium package beer coaster and, uh, you know, an all-inclusive holiday with your family. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so again, this is uh, a uh, an EP released by uh, Ingested, who uh, are on Unique Leader Records, as, far as I understand. Don't blame me, it's Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> but uh, this is a... Uh, this is just just shy of 15 minutes of pure unadulterated savagery it's a, uh, it's a sledgehammer savagery. to the face basically that's it's what the, the musical equivalent would be exactly um i mean when i put this on i mean again it is only just shy of 15 minutes and um as it is a uh, a re-release of already recorded material it immediately was clear to me that it's very much like a recording of its time uh so you were probably a fucking fetus at the time, but back in like 2007... <laughs> I think I was... When it came out, I was 11 years old. Well, yeah. But near enough that, yeah. <laughs> close enough to a fetus. Yeah. Dying fetus, eh? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so um, back in 2007, early 2008, I mean, uh, Core slash death metal, it kind of seemed to follow this trend of dropping these samples within songs. Um like that was even preceded by a breakdown or even before or after it but as an example i mean suicide silence had um bludgeon to death which was on an early ep ep before the cleansing yep. they had like a like a funny kind of audio clip it from family guy it was tom hanks uh what was it tom hanks uh everything he says is a stitch i have aids <laughs> remember that i don't know if you remember hearing Vaguely, that originally. yeah yeah i have a vague, a vague um, reminiscent memory of that Anyway, yeah, I mean, like you had Suicide Silence doing Carnifex uh, with Slit Wrist Savior. They oh, they yeah. they dropped in all of these um, these audio samples that were kind of either the precursor to a breakdown or following a breakdown, whichever way. But that kind of seemed to be a recurring theme with uh, Deathcore uh, back in like sort of mid the mid two thousands. I mean, what did you reckon of this, Barnaby, in terms of the, uh, the the songs in themselves? Did you enjoy it? I think 
going back to what we were talking about, the recurring theme of death metal before with how, you know, if you get halfway through an album, it sort of starts to become, yeah, you know, more of the same. Like, is, are they yeah. going to change it up? I feel like this EP of Vol uh, gets around this problem by being as short as it is. Like, if it was a full LP release, then it might not have been as good as it was. No disrespect to the band. The songwriting was really good. Mm. But I feel like because it was so short and brutal and in the face, it was the perfect length where you weren't going to be like, okay, yeah, I get the theme. When's the next thing coming? Yeah. Uh, Well, that's what I was going to bring up because it's clear that, um, as I say, I mean, this is very much... um, a recording of its time because when you look at what ingested have gone on to do since then and, and they've kind of introduced a more death metal vibe into their approach um you know i mean they've had devastating records since then um but they're very much like that they've moved past the initial kind of uh you know uh, the only way i can sum it up is like uh, there's this Heavy, heavy. Here's a breakdown. Now back to the heavy, heavy pig squealy stuff. You know that seemed yeah. to be the that seemed to be the dynamics of a lot of these uh, early deathcore yeah. bands. Chugga chugga blast beat, sweet picking. Chugga 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 cookie cutter. Yeah, Breathe. exactly. Um, so I'm kind of I'm quite relieved that they have since gone on to do uh, something different. At least you know yeah. they, they they've not stuck with that dynamic of uh, of again just you can kind of chop it up like okay here's the heavy bit here's the breakdown and sometimes they'll move the breakdown either towards the end in the middle or the beginning either way it's the same kind of structure of uh of a lot of these deathcore bands that that do this stuff yeah absolutely uh, yeah but i mean i thought this was great i mean i i shit you not it was only a couple of hours ago that i had this in my earphones and i was doing a run and it was fucking great i mean fuck i did you know if if you want just a pure adrenaline fix of 15 minutes of savagery then this is the the perfect dp for it i feel you know absolutely i'll challenge anyone who uh, wants to check this ep out put it on when you go to the gym as steven said and you'll find yourself chucking dumbbells through the fucking ceiling exactly um and especially the uh i loved the ending of the um butchered and devoured which has like just this belch at the end of it it's just yeah. <laughs> with a song that's suitably named butchered and devoured and then you yeah. just hear Oh, I can't even fucking yeah. burn. Yeah, one, th- yeah, one <laughs> last thing I'd like to add is as well, is they had some tasty breakdowns in the CP as well. I think the breakdown in, um, what was the same one? Erotic Depravity. That was like, that slammed really hard. When the breakdown hits, it's like, ooh, this is something that could definitely make me want to put someone through a fucking wall. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's great. Um, again, I mean, it's it's kind of, I, I'm glad it exists, but at the same time, I'm, I'm very glad that Ingested kind of, they're a different band at this point where they've kind of moved yeah. on more yeah. of a more of a, a death metal vibe they're, they're they're not sort of quite strung up on the the i mean there's a lot of bands that still exist that brought out you know material at this time that are still just continuing to pump out the uh as i say the the the, the, the normal structure of like a heavy part a breakdown back to a heavy part and then it ends you know it's just yeah it's, it, we're at a point now where you really can kind of do so much more uh, as opposed to just this traditional boring structure. Um, But yeah, I mean, it it was a, it was a good listen, as I say, I mean, in terms of uh, burning calories and, um, and just banging your head for a bit. I mean, it was great. I I enjoyed it for the 15 minutes that it was on. 
does the job does the job perfectly well for the 15 minutes it um it runs for that it does exactly and uh continuing on with the the horror theme the next record i want to actually uh bring up is uh this is a band that was kind of it was pretty much like an iceberg for me i'll be honest barnaby the next band is uh called bloody hammers and their uh the album sorry is called songs of unspeakable terror on napalm records yes this was a bit of an icebreaker for me as well because i hadn't really heard of a band like this before and this is my first time hearing of this band and listening to this album and listening to them as a whole so it was a bit of a new experience for me i must add well just a bit of um, a background for them so um bloody hammers they're a darkened hard rock stroke goth horror fanag band like um they're they're, they're very much in the vein of, of wearing their hearts on their sleeves so uh from what I understand, the core members of the band are a uh, husband and wife duo, gruesome twosome if you like, um, who are very, very passionate about horror films. Uh, and it's all kind of wrapped up in this uh, very gothy, hard rock aesthetic. Um, they're suitably uh, based from uh, Transylvania County in North Carolina, which is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of uh, goes hand in hand, really, when you listen to it. And uh, I couldn't quite believe that this was their sixth album as well. Oh, so they've been, um, they've, been around, they've been around the block a few times. Absolutely. I mean, th- this is why it was such uh, an iceberg of a band for me, because the thing that immediately attracted me to this was the artwork on this record. Uh, as soon as I saw the artwork, I was like, well, right, well, that's a bit of me because it looks very kind of horror film based. Um, you know, it's got like fucking terror and it's like one of those really old school like horror movie posters from like the fucking 50s. Yeah. Yeah. I and got I that was like, well. yeah. So immediately as soon as I saw the artwork, I was like, right, well, let's let's give this a listen and see, uh, you know, see how it goes. And um, I kind of found myself going down a uh, a rabbit hole with them. Because once I had discovered this, uh, I had then noticed that, you know, they had five other records that I could essentially kind of uh, throw myself into. Um, and I'm quite happy to tell you, Barnaby, that I've uh, I have come out quite confidently calling quite confidently calling myself a uh, a fully fledged fan of them. What do you so reckon? To this? Starting out 2021 with uh, getting into new bands. That's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, like, like I say, I mean, fuck. It's only the 16th of January and I've already found one of my new favorite things. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm a fan because this horror thing is not entirely my cup of tea. But that being said, I did enjoy this more than I thought I would. Because one thing I want to mention, like straight off the back with a night to this member, it's catchy. It seems like it's going to work really well live. And the guy's a really good singer as well. Mm. Those are like three things I picked up on instantly thinking this could be very good live. With the yeah, right audience... I mean- this could be, I mean, maybe even somewhere like, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say top tier at download, but could definitely be somewhere at download. Absolutely. I mean, as you say, with the from a vocal approach, he really reminded me of a cross between the um, the guy from Volby, as well as oh, the guy Mike, from Mass. Uh, Mi- Mika- Mikael Poulsen, I think his name is. Yeah, he's kind of got that really unique tone to his voice where it does stand out amongst the, the music. Um I mean, like you say, I mean, I appreciate you're not necessarily the biggest horror movie fan. Um, but for someone like me, I mean, this just like really, really ticked all of the boxes, uh, personally. Um, I mean, I was going to say that there's something to be said, really, about the simplicity of it. Because uh, yeah. writing writing like a, a three to four minute song 
about hack and slash movies from the eighties whilst remaining catchy. It's uh it's it's a really it's a really hidden talent, I think. Um I mean yeah, I, 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 I kind of found myself that once I had listened to this only once, I mean I've listened to it countless times since, but I, I'd only li- had to have listened to it once. And you know, I found myself like loading the fucking dishwasher singing fucking thing whilst the cat was in the background, you know? It was yeah. just <laughs> <laughs> that means that the song's having its desired effect where it's like it's getting stuck inside your head and you're starting to learn the vocals and singing it and so forth and it's, it's on your mind basically yeah this is it it's just like uh yeah there's about 11 tracks on this record and uh it is hard for me to pick a favorite personally um although i do, I do have quite a kinship with uh we own the dark which i think the keyboards that sort of surround the chorus just lifts it, which is all, you know, lifts an already yeah. song. Yeah. Um, but I just really enjoyed it. But throughout the 11 tracks, I mean, it was just, it was great. I mean, the problem when it comes to this kind of, uh, of music is it's really, really lazy to compare it to the misfits who, as everyone I'm sure who's listening will know that they're kind of like the godfathers when it comes to writing sort of sharp, punchy, uh, two to three minute songs about horror uh, films. I was uh, waiting for you to bring that up, actually. Yeah, comparison. yeah. This is it, because the thing is with The Misfits is that, again, I mean, as soon as you think of horror punk or horror based music, The Misfits immediately come to mind because absolutely you know, they're, they're the kings of it. But as much as I love The Misfits, um, bloody hammers just have this kind of approach where yeah it's 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 uh it's sharp punchy three to four minute uh bangers about horror films but they've got such like a doomier edge to their sound um whereas the misfits they're quite they're quite sort of uh buried in the the foundations of punk music you know uh especially yeah. the you know the glenn danzig stuff Whereas this just kind of had a bit more of a doomier edge to it, which is what I enjoyed about it. Um, I don't know if you got to the point where you listened to the song Lufus, Lucifer's Light. Yeah, I did. I get, did. Yeah. Now this song as well, because it's amongst like a load of just uh, fairly similar, but just as, as great. It's amongst like a load of um, hard rock punchy songs. But then Lucifer's Light comes along, which is... Uh, it wouldn't feel out of place on like a ghost album weirdly because it's got this really warm acoustic feel to it whilst also feeling like you're sat in your living room attending like a one-man seance to raise the devil yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know it's it's fucking great i just loved it so much i remember i was just sat back just listening to it with like a cup of coffee and i was like mate uh, it doesn't get better than this when it comes to that kind of uh aesthetic of of the devil and like horror themes and it was i I couldn't recommend this album enough, really, for somebody who, like me, is just a, a horror film fanatic. Uh, I mean, was there anything that you wanted to add to that, Barnaby? Or, I mean, was that kind I, of like your impression? I think you've it? taken the words right out of my mouth, to be honest. I mean, yeah, good catchy, good vocals. This will be good live. And, yeah, the good use of keys. I think that's yeah. that was all. That was what I had basically summed up, to be honest. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's great. I mean, like I was say, it is just a... Uh, it seems to be that the band itself is just a, the creative side of it at least is just a husband and wife duo but i kind of like that uh, approach to it and you know it's just such a 
it was such a pleasure to listen to, uh, especially for a band that I had never really heard of. And then going back through their back catalogue and they've just got records that are just as good as this, you know. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, here's hoping that we can actually uh, start to maybe see some touring. Yeah, maybe exactly. Maybe at the end of the year, because uh, this would be fucking an incredible live. I love Yeah, in the right tours. atmosphere, in the right club, with the right live show, it'd be gold too. Exactly. Yeah, damn right. All right. Pause break, mate. I'm just going to go for a piss again. No worries. <laughs> I'll edit this out. Don't worry. <laughs> Swiftly on. Uh, we're actually going to introduce a brand new segment to the uh, the RIP podcast. Uh, now, we're actually naming this segment Slated and Celebrated. Now, the idea of this, um, of this segment, if you like, is to essentially address records that had come out uh that were initially universally shat on by not just the press but fans as well of the said bands um yeah i mean there's, there's been plenty of records that have come and gone throughout the years that have just been again considered as flops or considered as uh just 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 records that aren't up to standard to the band's previous releases so we thought that we would actually look into these albums and we thought it'd be interesting to dissect them uh you know years on months on since the release just to really see whether or not the uh the critics if you like were right about it and whether or not the band were right to be slated as a result of it um exactly yeah so we thought that there's probably no better place to start than a band that's been quite polarizing um even throughout the pandemic you would think um the band in question is is machine head uh i mean i think that both me and barnaby can probably agree that we, we you know we love machine head yeah. Uh, I think I think in my case, love will be a bit of an understanding because I've been a diehard Machine Head fan for the past five years. Like they're one of my all-time favorite bands. Yeah, me me as well. Um, so I mean, as a podcast collectively, I think we can agree that that Machine Head are, you know, uh, uh, high on the list when it comes to uh, bands absolutely, that we, absolutely. We adore. Yeah, especially um, considering their um, material they released last year of the singles. But that that will yeah. be uh, uh, something for another episode. Well, we, we, we'll get on to it through this, yeah. mate. Because, oh, okay, um, yeah, fair enough. The, so the thing is with Machine Head is um, for a band that have given the metal community and the, the metal world as a whole some absolute classic albums, uh, there have been some notable missteps that the band have had. I mean, this has been a, a thing throughout their career, you know, that dates back to the 90s where you had the, the Burning Red which, yeah, that's uh, a very classic one. And uh, not to mention just that, and also Supercharger. That was one yeah, that was yeah. also so, quite dividing down the fan base, the fan base exactly. down the middle when it came to whether it was good or whether it was crap. Exactly. So, I mean, again, we could have picked, uh, you know, the, the Burning Red Supercharger. Uh, there's quite a lot of polarizing material in, in Machine Head's back catalogue. But we decided to actually go for one that was released not that long ago. We're going to go for Machine Head's last studio album uh, called Catharsis, which uh, was released in 2018. And um, 
to say that it wasn't shat on would be an understatement, I would say. Oh, people did not like it. No, no. So I want to go through the uh, the timeline because for a band that gave us the blackening, which was highly regarded as one of the best uh, masterpiece, albums, uh, one of the best metal albums of the twenty first century. Yeah. Uh, to then going to the Locusts or uh, Unto the Locusts. Unto the Locusts, yeah, another. Unto the Locusts, another God tier album, and yeah, Bloodstone I mean, and Diamonds. We're biased because, like, as far as we're concerned, <laughs> you know, these records are incredible. But yeah. I remember, like, during the Blackening, or sorry, following the Blackening, for a long time there was this stuff that was being write, written about that was saying, "Well, how are they going to top the Blackening? How are they going to make a Blackening Part 2? And uh, and then came Unto the Locust, which was, for my money, it was brilliant. I fucking loved Unto the Locust. Yep, I'm with uh, you on that one, 100%. You know, I mean, it wasn't received as well as The Blackening, but then again, you are trying to follow up an album that was basically being put in the same vein as Master of, the Pu- Master of Puppets. And, yeah. you know, it, it was that well of a received album that any they could have released anything following the blackening and it wouldn't have been uh as highly regarded um as the blackening but anyway so yeah as you say so they moved on from under the locust which was great then we had bloodstone and diamonds which for my money was better than under the locust um yeah i'm still I, a little bit divided on that one which one's the better of the two but they're both amazing albums to be fair yeah, I, I don't know, man. I mean, for, for me personally, I thought that as great as Unto the Locust was, uh, Bloodstone and Diamonds had everything that the Blackening had and everything that Unto the Locust had, but it also kind of like moved into new territory. Uh, so, for example, uh, on Bloodstone and Diamonds, you know, you had a song like And Now We Die, which could have been on Unto the Locust or The Blackening. Yeah. Uh, but then you also had a song like Sail Into the Black, which is like a fucking anthem if you were like a pirate. <laughs> you know, it's like, Yeah, that is very true. I'll give you that one. The, the, like un, um, Sail Into the Black was just such a uniquely different way of Machine Head moving into different territories whilst also remain, remaining uh, true to themselves and like true to the fans, basically, because... Uh, you know, Bloodstone and Diamonds, there was no fucking bad press about that record, and there was no one none, moaning none about that record. I, mean, I can't remember. Every metal application, on every metal coverage under the sun gave it really high praise, like all the way yeah. from Kerrang to Metal Hammer, Loudwire, Metal yeah. Sucks, Metal Injection. Yeah, they it, all fucking loved it. It was incredible. Um, and then, you know, I mean, they had uh, following... Uh, I mean, we should mention that Bloodstone and Diamonds was also an album that introduced a brand new lineup to Machine Head as well. Yeah, I think the new bass player in the form of uh, Jared McEachern. Yes, yeah. So Adam Deuce, who um, had been with the band since since the very beginning, um, from what I understand, um, there was obviously some deep-seated issues amongst uh, Adam Deuce as well as uh, Rob Flynn. And... um, yeah, so in the end, there was a lineup change where we introduced uh, a new bass player, and we had an incredible new album, and it just seemed like Machine Head were once again being praised as just one of the the perfect 
um, figureheads or just 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 bands in general that you could point to and say, you know, the, these are the bands that we can quite confidently uh, quite confidently champion and say, look, metal is not dead, Gene Simmons, but rock is not dead, Gene yeah, Simmons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've got incredible bands like Machine Head that are still pumping out amazing fucking metal records um and to you know to a degree you could say lama god were in the same position i think by the time bloodstone and diamonds had come out you had um dissolution by lamb of god which was an incredible uh again another incredible record which had songs similar to machine head that were different to what the band had done previously but was still keeping to themselves um yeah and uh again a couple of years passed where there was touring done for bloodstone and diamonds and then uh we get to the uh, the follow-up called uh 2018's catharsis yep <laughs> right so um despite what we've said about the band being championed as these uh these figureheads for metal and, and having this incredible back catalog um catharsis came out um so what were your your first impressions of catharsis barnaby i mean as soon as you got the record what did you think of it my first impressions were i didn't love it as much as the past work but i still enjoyed it and it still had its pivotal moments like it opened up with volatile which i'm just going to say straight away from hearing it live um last time we saw machine head is a pit starter Mm. so it's not like they completely strayed from the path it was a good it was on the whole it was a good album it had its moments where it wasn't exactly as good as I thought it was going to be. And I felt like it was just a bit, you know, it was a more different path that Machine had wanted to take, obviously. Yeah. Um, but what were your thoughts on that matter? The thing is, so when I first, because I think on the, on the, the lead up to Catharsis, that they had brought out the title track first, just Catharsis with the video. And I loved it immediately. It was just like, okay, well, they're obviously aesthetically they're doing something different. They're all in like these white uniforms, and they've got yeah, like it's this like the straight jacket kind of thing. Yeah, it was like a kind of mental asylum theme. Yeah, and, uh, I loved it. I loved it as well. Not gonna lie, that track. I mean, don't get me wrong. Amazing. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't immediate, but it was kind of it was a grower, you know. So as soon as uh, I heard Kafasis, I just kept listening to it and listening to it. And um, the lyrics just resonated with me because, you know, the whole idea of it being empowering with music, you know, finding um, finding strength in music and that being, you know, a kind of force. It it was fucking I mean, the more I listened to it, the more I loved it. And then uh, eventually the the album came along. And uh, as you say, it started off with Volatile, which. I mean, it was fucking. It's, it's 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 like as traditionally a machine head rager as you can get with volatile, you know. Absolutely, just, and that's yeah. not said as a criticism. That's said as a appraisal. Yeah, it's it's a great, it's fucking great. I mean, when you look at the track listing, to be perfectly honest with you, um, I want to say like the first five or six tracks. Let me just get the uh, track listing in front of me because. Let me have a look, because with the track listing, I think this album starts off incredible, because as you say, you've got Volatile that kicks off the record, which is uh, a classic Machine Head Rager. 
which then follows into Catharsis, which we've already talked about, which is the, you know, the big kind of melodic title track. Uh, and then you get into a song called Beyond the Pale, which, uh, which that, in, that in itself had a bit of shit because there was a very big, uh, I remember at the time, there was a very big uh, controversy about Machine Head ripping off Strapping Young Lad. Yeah, it was the similarities that? in the rift between that and Love by Strapping Strapping Young Lad. Yeah, that, that was it. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah, it's like sounds similar, but it's a different song completely. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't listen to that song and then my mind just gets Love by Strapping Young Lad. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing I, mean, I wanted to br- one thing I wanted to bring up as an example is um, you're familiar with Cl- the song "Clansation" by Chimera. Yes. Yeah. Do you know that opening is like da 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 da? It's like you instantly think, "Raining Blood." Yeah. That's but, good... yeah, people don't give Chimera shit for that, but yet they give right. Machine Head shit for Beyond the Pale. So hang on a sec, that doesn't sound right, does it? No. I mean, I, I, that's the thing. I mean, I don't know. I don't quite know what Machine Head did wrong between bloodstone and diamonds and the the build-up to this record because it just kind of seemed that there was this skepticism that all of a sudden started with catharsis prior to them bringing out any of the songs that we're going to get onto. um i mean at this point i believe they had brought out catharsis the title track and then it was beyond the pale it might be the other way around um I can't remember exactly but it was one of the two it yeah. was definitely one of those two first. And then but, I think next there was Kaleidoscope, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. So Kaleidoscope, that's that sort of later on in the um, the release of the, the build-up to the album. But just like from the singles perspective, like so you, you bring out Beyond the Pale and then you bring out Catharsis. If you listen to those songs back to back, to me, they, 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 they're fucking amazing. I mean, I don't understand why immediately as soon as both those songs were out, there was this skepticism to say like, oh well they fucking lost it rob flynn's lost his mind you know there's all this controversy about the band ripping off strapping in lad and you know it's just immediately as soon as those two songs came out it just felt like everyone jumped on their backs and there was like you know this real kind of uh whipping boy um attitude towards machine head and i just thought like hold on a minute like machine head have like given us just incredible records for the last like you know 10 years going now and like all of a sudden everyone's abusing them because they feel like they've got a riff on a song that sounds similar to strapping young lad yeah yeah you know it's just like well fuck me chill out for a second like they've got a song that's got a similar riff to love by strapping young lad that immediately then makes them the enemy and makes them the whipping boys of like the metal community like what the fuck I've like, loads here. of metal songs that sound similar to each other. As I mentioned, Cleansation by Chimera, amongst many yeah. others. Like, just because it sounds slightly similar doesn't mean it's plagiarism, not even in the slightest. No, exactly. Yeah. But I don't quite know what they did wrong. But I mean, whether or not, I mean, we'll get on to it. But whether or not Rob Flynn's social media activity had any kind of influence over the the way that yeah. the material was received, uh, that, you know, that's to be discussed. But yeah, mm. anyway, so the track listing we got volatile catharsis beyond the pale for my money they're great you know i i fucking love them yep i think we're in agreement um, on that and um we then get to california bleeding which uh <laughs> so 
I think when you look at the, did you say that you had a review for Catharsis on? The, I um... did. I've got one up on Blabbermouth, and the general review is like it does highlight some positive um, messages, saying like it's bold, it's pushing the boundaries. Where the one thing I notice is that it just seems to be they seem to think it's a little bit of a misstep, or it's like they. Um, I think there's one section where they say it's wasted potential. I don't really quite agree with that, to be honest. And it is also that it's just, um, yeah, as I said, wasted potential. Mm. something else i was about to mention as well yeah i mean for me like this is kind of the pivotal point on catharsis so when you get to when you get past the first three tracks um you get to california bleeding and which which goes into triple beam so these two songs were the for me the initial start of this uh aggression towards machine head as if they've gone back to some kind of uh identity identity crisis um so california bleeding uh i mean it's basically just like a a really hard rock song about getting fucked up in california yeah Um, basically i mean i I think it's fucking great personally i mean it's got such a uh, an earworm of a chorus uh i mean i don't see a problem with it but the lyrics in themselves, uh, they have been deemed to be a bit kind of, well, kind of come on, Rob Flynn, act your age. But I mean, for a man <laughs> that's, uh, I mean, he's he's into his fifties now, and yeah. he's talking about getting his dick sucked behind a fucking Fresno sign or something. Um, you can, in a way, kind of see the skepticism, but you know, who's to say that that isn't an experience that he's had? You don't know. If yeah, you exactly. Unless to say the, the song's just a giant piss take of, you know, getting your dick sucked behind the Fresno's diner or like drinking fucking in a dumpster in Barstow. Like, what well, if that's just yeah, like a yeah. piss take of all that? So maybe yeah. it's not meant to be entirely serious. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel, for all it's worth, I like the song. I think it's fun. I think it's just like a good rager. You know, you, you could think of it just like fucking, it's just a drinking song in a way. I, I, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was fine. Yeah, but I'll be then, in general in, in agreement with that. Yeah, and, and but then comes uh, Triple Beam. Oh, which... uh, <laughs> this was a divisive <laughs> one. Oh, we got a lot to so say about this. this. Is where this is where it gets a bit funny because Triple Beam is like a uh, it's like a it's like a weird mix of a of a bouncy new metal song. Um. I mean, what, what did what did you think of Triple Beam when you first heard it? What was your first initial reaction? Did you wince or were, were you like a bit confused? The first reaction I thought was Supercharger. That's where I feel like this album could be. And saying that, I'm going to say state it now that I do actually really enjoy Supercharger as a record. So the song as a whole, I did really like. But I thought, yeah, this is not something that is going to be associated with the anything Machine Head post-2002. Mm. The thing but that being said, I loved the song. I thought it was great. And it's very yeah. like personal journey into like Rob Flynn's early life as a drug dealer. We talk about like getting in fights at petrol stations and watching his friends get stabbed and shot and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's a very personal, cathartic journey of a song. I mean, that in itself, what you've just said there is 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 quite a uh, a potent thing because when you consider that the the this record, I think the theme of it is based around personal experiences and, and overcoming stuff. Yeah. Why, therefore, should this get shit panned if you've got a man that's basically just writing lyrics about 
previous experiences that he's yeah. had. You know, I mean, if if it was a world where we just had people writing about shit that they've never been through, or writing about shit that they would think somebody who gone through who had gone through this uh, would feel, it's not very authentic. You know, I mean, I, I just feel that if you've gone through an experience, then why the fuck would you not be allowed to write a song about that? Why would you? feel that oh well i better not write a song about going through this because otherwise people will think i'm a phony you know yeah exactly i think uh, the reason it got shit on was because it sounded like it was something out of supercharger with the rapping and the new metal mm -hmm. sound i think that's why a lot of machine heads fan base didn't like it yeah that's my take on it but the, the thing is with machine head albums that you consider would consider a misstep like burning red the, the burning red and, and superchargers there's diamonds throughout the rough because you know the, the burning red had from this day and fucking supercharger had uh deafening silence I oh mean, crashing around you yeah I say, I mean, crashing around you live is a fucking rager oh incredible. my god that song live works so well yeah i mean th there's a um there's a live album they, they released called i think it's called hell live or something hell live yeah yeah yeah, like the, the monologue that Rob Flynn does before going into crashing around you. I mean, it, it's the thing of goosebumps. It's just incredible. Um, and it works so well as a song. Um, and this is the, the kind of point that I wanted to go through with Machine Head. Is same with most bands in a way. Like, yeah, okay. I mean, you can kind of argue that some songs are a bit kind of uh, a misstep and are a bit unidentifiable. But there's still great songs amongst them you know i mean that i don't think that should warrant anybody going online and and, and the press are trying to bury a band in their legacy because they've got a couple of songs that they don't like you yeah, know exactly i think just... the one i think the one song and i think you may agree with me on me with this the one song that caused the most division was track number seven which i believe is bastards <laughs> Yes, no, I uh, wanted to bring this up. That was, that was divisive for a, a whole set of reasons. Right, but let's get into this, because we're recording on the 16th of January. That is 10 days after the uh, US Capitol riots. Oh. Now, oh, yeah. if you listen to a song like Bastards Now, does that not resonate with it does. what's going on in fucking America right now? So... For Rob Flynn, of a US citizen, who all he has to do is look out of his fucking window in his house and see this shit going on outside of his fucking, in his street. Mm. Why is he getting shat on for writing a, a, a protest song about all the atrocities that are going on in the, the US political system? I mean, like I said to you, I mean, 10 days ago with the scenes that we saw, it, it was shocking to watch on the news in this country, but yet... You know, if you if you're in America and you'll see, as I say, a, a song like "Bastards" resonates so much more, uh, especially like now when you look at what happened in the in the uh, you know the U.S. Uh, Capitol and the fact that the man's being shot on because he this is how he feels and he's worried about like his kids growing up in a society like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, why is that? Why is that fair whatsoever? You know, I mean, it, reality is, I mean, if if Rob Flynn wants to write a protest song and putting on put it on a Machine Head album, then who are we to fucking say he shouldn't? Yeah, 
I think it's the reasons of being that Rob Flynn's political views became more apparent after the uh, response video he did to the whole Phil Anselmo uh, trash. I mean, God, that was ages ago, wasn't it, with the whole white oh, power sticking all that? Yeah, yeah, I won't get into yeah. that too much. But basically, Rob Flynn did the response video. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's still up on YouTube if anyone wants to go and check it out. And then once he put his political views on display for the world to see, I reckon that's when a lot of like trolls came after him, so to speak. And obviously, yeah. a lot of his political views then shifted into catharsis as a whole. Yeah. And that's why I feel like he's getting a lot. That's why I feel like most of the album's negative criticism comes from is people shitting on Rob Flynn's political Yeah, I mean, opinions. we mentioned this We mentioned this at the start. So it's the fact that uh, Rob Flynn's social media presence seemed to have had quite a detrimental effect on this album as a whole. Uh, I mean, you had... Like you say, he he had death threats from like people that were, you know, not happy with the the language used on the record and and yeah. his political views. Um, but you know, Rob Flynn's such a honest individual. You know, he's not gonna he's not gonna fucking lie to people. And he you know he he does these um, blogs on social media. Uh, I forget what they're called now. Do you know this blo- this blog? Oh, the do- oh the do- the journals of a rambling frontman or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. Really entertaining so, reads. I recommend anyone who's a fan of Machine Head who maybe listening great. to this podcast go to check him go and check him out. Mm. You know, I mean, he's such an honest person, and he's he's just not he's not afraid to uh, put shit out there. You know, I mean, you don't get a lot of people like that. You, you I mean you don't get these big metal frontmen that put these honest uh, displays out in the uh the public eye i mean you wouldn't ever get Corey taylor putting something out like that or you wouldn't ever get mm. uh i mean i don't know who's another big metal vocalist fucking uh, uh matt heafy oh, matt heafy oh yeah i mean just in general like th- there are these um these posts that rob flynn puts out that obviously get quite a lot of attraction when it comes to haters and stuff like this but i mean i, I think it's great i mean personally i think a lot more people from bands should start doing that you know it's kind of like a, a more of a you yeah. appreciate them as an artist a lot more when you uh when you kind of see the world behind their eyes in a way um, exactly yeah you know and, and i don't think that rob flynn's social media presence should be um should be detrimental to the the, the uh you know, the music and the, and the things that he's uh, he's talking about. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Catharsis as a whole was such a misunderstood statement. You know, I think a, a lot of people just immediately saw Rob Flynn writing stuff about politics and blah, blah, blah. And they just thought, oh, yeah, he's just doing a protest album, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and as usual, it, like, oh, go, go way left in. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and and then and then it was just discouraged, and then here we are, you know, three years later, and you see what's going on in America, and you oh, think, yeah. oh shit, well clearly he was right, you know, exactly, was, yeah. Was, and one of the things right. I wanted to bring up, one other thing I wanted to bring up as well, people complaining that Machine Head and Rob Flynn's getting too political. I was like, well, you're saying that, but then he released a song like "Clenching the Fist of Dissent," which is about America's involvement, which what well, I can assume is the Gulf War and like going yeah. overseas to fucking invade countries for oil and resources and shit like that. Yeah, and then I mean, you got, a, and then always... you got, a, yeah, and then you got a song like "A Farewell to Arms," and then in comes the mm-hmm. flood. It's like you basically 
you're not going to give Rob Flynn shit for those songs, but you're going to give him shit for Catharsis just because he's more he's yeah. being more unspoken about it. Like that doesn't make any fucking sense in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, there's always just there's always been this part of Machine Head that's been very kind of in uh, tapped into the sort of political the politics of the world and. You know that that's kind of what attracts a lot of people to Machine Head. That there's just this very kind of gritty, gritty perspective on the world and, and the way it's run. And you know, you yeah. can even trace it back to Burn My Eyes with like the the way that you know that there was all the the controversy around drugs and racism and and all this stuff. You know, it's, there's always just been this through line with Machine Head where they cover topics of. Uh, politics and racism and drugs and it's just it's all it's all been a part of the the career and they still continue to do that i mean since catharsis has come out you know there's been the whole uh, george floyd stuff that's happened and you know machine head have released um albums oh, sorry not albums but eps in relation to that so what, yeah. what was it called it was called um well, it was the, it was the, the civil bleeding. unrest it was the civil unrest single and it had the tracks uh stop the bleeding featuring uh yeah. jesse leach of kill switch engage and uh bulletproof yeah so again i mean they're then they're, they're not going to change like regardless of uh people's unhappiness about rob flynn speaking his mind and doing that via his uh his band i mean that's that's not going to change anytime soon i mean yeah. uh he, he's um, still going to continue to fight the cause um and rob flynn's someone who's not going to stop just because he's getting a few trolls trolling him online and sending him like death threats they're never going to fulfill he's going to be like well this is just going to fuel me to keep going fuck you yeah exactly um i mean what that's the thing because machine head or rob flynn should i say he's always been very uh true to his word so um as an example i mean machine head they haven't the last time i saw machine head at a festival was bloodstock 2012 when they headlined it yeah oh god that's a while ago yeah i know it's, it's, it just shows how old i am mate uh <laughs> and um the thing is is that i think not long after that there was a big thing about okay we're not going to do festivals anymore just purely because yes. yes you know we're we're kind of in a position where we feel that festivals aren't quite uh who we want to play to anymore we kind of feel that when we play festivals we're you know we're, we're playing in front of a load of people that don't really want to watch us um which i mean me personally i mean i i think well you know I, i'm selfish i mean personally if, if you're playing in front of like you know an audience that you think don't want to see you and i'm in the middle of it then i'm still gonna have a good time <laughs> yeah oh, that's um, a sensible way of looking at it yeah uh but i mean they haven't played a festival since then and again that's very true to their word and, and rob flynn has since come out and said well i don't think we're probably going to do any records or full album releases um anytime soon and we're just going to continue to kind of drip feed people these singles every now and again yeah uh, his um yeah his opinions on like streaming being the way forward instead yes. of physical album sales is um maybe it's been something else that's been quite divisive in the metal community actually because a lot of us um not necessarily you or myself but a lot of people can be sort of uh closed-minded towards streaming and you know doing all the online yep. stuff and doing eps and singles instead but he made a very interesting article where it says he could get a single up onto a streaming service so much faster 
and it's getting music out there to people so much quicker than as opposed to like doing it on an album. And I figured yeah. the w and I thought the way he mentioned that made so much more sense. Absolutely. I mean, um, I'm kind of in two minds about this because I mean, I, I did want to bring this up because um, I think it, it kind of boils down to the way that you digest music. Cause for me personally, um, I love having a full body of work and I love kind of dissecting an album. Um, you know, I mean, one of, one of my all time favorite bands, are a band called typo negative. And yeah. Uh, Ooh, yeah. I, I I mean I can't listen to a few songs here and there with Typo Negative. If I'm going to listen to Typo Negative, I'm going to put an album on from start to finish. You know I, I can't I can't just pick yeah. things here and out here out and there. Um, and it's the same with a lot of bands. You know I mean I love listening to a full body of work to kind of lose myself in the um, yeah. in the album. Um, but then again, I mean if if you are very much in the vein of like you put on spotify on like a kind of shuffle mix and you love listening to different songs um then i can kind of see the argument for machine head bringing out this the odd single here and there you know because uh it's a kind of a way of drip feeding your music i mean this kind of started happening with um is there anybody out there? I think that was the first kind yeah, of solo it was, release they did. yeah is there anybody out there and then it was do or die then yeah. the the civil unrest single and then more recently oh wait no actually i'm wrong on that it was do or die and then it was uh circle the drain and then it was stop the bleeding yes yeah i forget about circle yeah. the drain and they're, they're, i think they're all great as well by the way oh I mean, yeah um, yeah absolutely do, do or die had some questionable uh lyrics uh but i think the more you listen to it the more it's you kind of appreciate how much of rager it is i mean i, yeah. I think the word dies now i think it's great i mean i i i have that on rotation quite regularly but yeah um, so the one i have on rotation quite regularly is uh, my hands are empty their latest one and yeah. that one has just been a god i wasn't expecting that at all when it came I out know. it was just so anthemic and it's like this is one that could easily go down as a one of the favorite the favorite ones to hear live yeah i mean that's 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 the thing because when we i mean yeah we, we were with each other when we saw machine heads last uk show at brixton yeah i mean um, quite hung, quite hung over in my my ad but yeah we were still yeah. we, we were still there this is it and uh i can't remember whether or not they played any of the singles funny enough i think what was weird was because on that tour that they were doing they would occasionally uh do do or die because I think Do or Die was the single that they had had out at the time whilst yeah. they were on that tour. And uh, some shows they'd play it, some shows they wouldn't. I don't think they played it at the Brixton show. Um, but it was kind of like uh, they had merch to support the song and kind of got me thinking, well, I mean, albums might not be necessary. That might, might not be as necessary anymore if they, if you can just do some merch off a single that you've done and the single does very well um just as well as an album then um that might well be the sort of way forward in terms of having people digest your music um you know especially with like spotify these days i mean like i said to you earlier i mean if you just put on like a spotify shuffle playlist and you have like songs from different bands i mean a lot of people might just love just listening to the one song here and there give the band a follow but they might not go into their whole back catalogs strictly yeah exactly um, 
And I think that's kind of the way that Machine Head are gonna drip feed, drip feed their their new material moving forward. I mean, I can't see them going back to doing a full length anytime soon. Um, Not anytime soon, yeah. Definitely. No, just because again, it goes back down to Rob Flynn being that strong-minded human being that st- sticks to his word. You know, I mean, I don't think they're going to be doing festivals anytime soon again. I don't think they're going to be going back to doing full length ever again. Um, once they kind of make a decision, they stick with it, you know, which yeah, is uh, exactly. yeah, kind of uh, a strength, but not a lot of people may not agree with it. But yeah, yeah. a lot of people don't seem to see eye to eye with Rob Blood on that one. But I mean, it is always going to be his baby and he's going to do what he wants with it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think um, we've kind of exhausted that as much as we can, really, mate. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, to but, sum up, Catharsis is a great but misunderstood record, but as a whole, still worthy of being part of Machine Ed's catalogue. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, mate. And um, that's the first edition of Slated and uh, Celebrated. And uh, we will continue to uh, bring you other records that have uh, initially been uh, slated, but have uh, in later years become a bit more... Uh, a bit more enjoyable, should we say? We'll yeah. Celebrate him. Um, yeah, but I think that's probably give, brings us to the end of uh, episode two of the RIP podcast. So uh, we appreciate you listening, and uh, we'll put this out on the uh, the normal streaming services. And uh, don't forget to like, subscribe to whichever one that you choose to use. Uh, any final words, Barnaby? Um, don't think so. No, I had to think there for well, a go second. Fuck but no, yourself can't. then. <laughs> well thank you very much for listening everybody and uh we'll be back next week for more bollocks so thank you for now and goodbye goodbye for now